Al-Bayan Radio presents an explanation of Kitab al-Iman from Sahih Muslim presented by Sheikh Muhammad Duar. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda amma ba'd. My dear brothers and sisters, we continue bi-idhnillah ta'ala with the explanation of the hadiths from Kitab al-Iman the book of Iman from Sahih Muslim. And today we take a hadith narrated by Musayyib ibn Hazm. And he narrated that when Abu Talib, who is the uncle of the Prophet wasallam. When Abu Talib was about to die, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam came to him and found his uncle Abu Talib with Abu Jahl and with Abdullah ibn Umayyah ibn al-Mughira, two of the disbelievers from Quraysh. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam entered upon his uncle Abu Talib and he said my uncle testify that there is la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and Abu Jahl and Abdullah ibn Abi Umayyah addressing Abu Talib said Ya Abu Talib, are you going to abandon the religion of Abdul Muttalib, meaning your father? And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam constantly requested him to accept his offer. And on the other hand, was repeated the same statement from Abu Jahl and Abdullah ibn Abi Umayyah until Abu Talib gave his final decision and he stuck to the religion of Abdul Muttalib and he refused to say La ilaha illallah and then the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam after his uncle died he said by Allah I will constantly ask Allah for forgiveness for Abu Talib until I am forbidden to do so. Yani unless Allah prohibits me. Then Allah Azza wa Jal revealed the verse in the Quran where he said it is not befitting for the Prophet and for those who believe that they should ask forgiveness for the mushrikeen. Even if they were their family. After it had been made known to them that they are from the dwellers of hellfire. Now this hadith is the famous hadith of the uncle of the Prophet wasallam, Abu Talib, and how the Prophet wasallam, tried to get him to become a Muslim right before his death. But his uncle refused and he had Abu Jahl and Abdullah ibn Abi Umayyah 
from the kuffar of Quraysh on top of him and they kept repeating the same words to him telling him don't leave the religion of your father or as they were saying it are you going to leave the religion of Abdul Muttalib Imam Muslim then mentions the same hadith he says the hadith is mentioned through a different chain except it ends where it mentions that Allah revealed the verses and it didn't mention the verses so one hadith mentioned the actual verses at the end and the other one did not mention the verses okay the companion that narrated this hadith my brothers his name is Al-Musayyib Al-Musayyib ibn Hazm ibn Abi Wahab him and his father Hazm were both Sahaba Musayyib and his father were both companions and he is from the ones who pledged allegiance beneath the tree what's special about the Sahaba that pledged allegiance beneath the tree to the Prophet there was a time the bay'ah was given to the Prophet under a tree Allah Azza wa Jal said about the ones that pledged the allegiance under the tree that he is pleased with them that Allah Azza wa Jal loves them and that's what makes these companions special radiyallahu ta'ala anhum and this story or this incident it happened when Abu Talib was at the time of his death and the last thing he informed them and he made it very clear that I am on the millah of Abdul Muttalib I'm on the religion of my father I'm not a Muslim and the Prophet ﷺ tried very hard to get his uncle to become a Muslim because he loved his uncle dearly and his uncle loved him. Abu Talib, even though he died as a mushrik and a kafir and he's in hellfire for eternity, but the amount of support he gave Muhammad ﷺ during his life was amazing. He supported the Prophet ﷺ and protected him against the plots of Quraysh many times. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ loved him dearly and wanted him to become a Muslim. But we will see the hikmah as to why he didn't become a Muslim. And that is to show that guidance is in the hands of Allah Azza wa Jal alone. And you and I and not even our Prophet Muhammad can guide who we love. Can't. Guidance is in the hands of Allah Azza wa Jal alone. And this hadith, my brothers, it shows you the virtue of the word La ilaha illallah. That's all the Prophet was asking. But this word, it's our salvation. The word La ilaha illallah because it saves the person who dies on it. Whoever dies on La ilaha illallah is saved. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling his uncle Abu Talib before his death, say la ilaha illallah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was not asking Abu Talib just for a word to utter. And Abu Talib understood that as well. That's why he refused. Because if Abu Talib thought that all Muhammad is asking for is a word that has no meaning, has no value, he would have said it. 
But Abu Talib knew what this word means. And that it means worshipping the one true Lord and disbelieving in all the false gods. Abu Talib knew that if he said that word, he is denouncing the religion of his fathers, the religion of idol worship. And that's what Abu Jahl, La'anahullah, and Abdullah uh, ibn Abi Umayyah were on his head saying, they all knew that it's not just a word. It's much greater than just a word that you utter. It's the deen of Allah. La ilaha illallah is the fundamental of our religion. And that's why Abu Talib did not say it. Because he understood its meaning. But it is a word that denies shirk and it is a word that is sincere devotion to Allah alone. The one who would say it knew with certainty that he is entering Islam and disassociating himself from shirk. The hadith, my brothers, is also a dalil. It's also proof that the most important deeds are the last ones. Abu Talib lived as a mushrik all his life. Right before his death, if he uttered the word sincerely and took its meaning, he would have entered paradise. What does that show? The most important actions are the ones you die on. And that's a huge lesson for us, Shabab. It's a huge lesson for you as a Muslim to live on the path of Allah Azza wa Jal. Because you don't know when you're going to die. And every Muslim wants to die on a good ending. But you won't get a good ending if you're not living the life. If you're not living on the path to Allah Azza wa Jal. But what happened before does not matter if you have repented. Yeah? Islam wipes away the previous sins. Repentance wipes away the sins. The one who repents from sin is like the one who did not commit it. But a person should not lose hope based on what they've done in the past if they have fixed their life. And that's a fundamental point of our deen. The most important actions are the last and your ending. And that's why everyone has to strive to live their life for Allah so that they die on the path of Allah Azza wa And that's the good ending. Many people think uh, a good ending is that you die in salah. But mashallah, he passed away when he was in sujood. Or brothers that died and they had the mushaf on their chest They were reading the book of Allah Azza wa Jal These are good endings, not a doubt But that's not the meaning of husn al-khatima A good ending, my brothers, is that you die as a slave of Allah Even if you died sleeping, as the ulama mentioned If you died sleeping But you are you were a Muslim Who worshipped Allah Stayed away from the haram That's husn al-khatima, that's a good ending a good ending is not what many people assume That you have to die in sujood Or die in the masjid Allah, you can die anywhere 
But if you lived according to Islam, that's a good ending. And the wisdom or the hadith also shows the reason why many people reject the truth. Why did Abu Talib reject? He couldn't leave the religion of his father and his fathers. Many Muslims, they might be upon innovation, and they don't leave the innovation, they were brought up on it. Habibi, Islam does not work like that. You have to change your entire life to suit Islam. It's not the other way around. You don't change Islam to suit you. Islam doesn't change. Now, one of the main reasons people reject the truth is they cannot be different to what their parents or their relatives or their families or their friends are. And that's what caused Abu Talib to die on kufr. And from the wisdom as to why Abu Talib did not become a Muslim, as we mentioned, is the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal is the one alone who guides. And the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, does not possess harm or benefit for others. He only leads the way. He only guides to the truth. Whoever accepts the truth or doesn't accept it is in no one's hands except Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ does not hold the forgiveness of sins either or the ability to save people from hellfire. And if he did have any of those qualities, he would have given it to his uncle who he loved very much. The hadith is also proof that Abu Talib died on kufr. Abu Talib died as a kafir, as opposed to some of the misguided Rafida or the Shia, where some of them believe he died as a Muslim. And they say Abu Talib is in Jannah because he's the Prophet's uncle. When the hadith, the Sunnah is clear that he died as a disbeliever. We also benefit from this hadith that we should always call people to repent before their death. You might be in a situation or put in a situation where you are with someone who is dying or living their final moments. You as a Muslim, as a believer, what should you be reminding that person of in that time? You should be reminding them to repent and reminding them of the shahada to say la ilaha illallah and this requires strength from the believer because many people they panic and they don't know what to do if they see someone dying even if it's a kafir try to call him to islam right before his death la'allah azza wa might guide him on your hands at that moment and we have heard many stories. A sister that embraced Islam right before she died. She was in her 90s. 
She became a Muslim and then she died. Guidance is in Allah's hands. We just do the work. But if you were ever put in that situation, you try to help people and bring them to the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. Especially when the one who is close to death is a Muslim. You help them by reminding them of Allah and reminding them of the shahada. We also benefit from the hadith that it is permissible to visit the dying disbelievers to try to call them to Islam. Abu Talib was dying and Nabi Wasallam visited him to try to call him to Islam. But there's nothing wrong with this and it's good. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse and it is not befitting for the Prophet and those who believe to seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen. This verse came down after the Prophet went to the grave of his uncle Abu Talib and asked Allah for forgiveness for him. That's how much the Prophet loved Abu Talib. He loved him so much that when he passed away and Nabi Wasallam went to his grave and he said, I'm going to ask Allah to forgive you as long as I'm not prohibited. Then directly after it, Allah revealed the verse. It is not befitting for the Prophet and the believers to seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen, even if it's the closest people to them. Because the one that dies on disbelief and kufr cannot be forgiven by Allah Azza wa Jal. But while they are alive, we make the effort out of love for them to try to win them over to the beautiful deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. We make the effort and we make dua, especially if it's family and relatives that are non-Muslims. We make the effort and we should always make the effort for them. And that's from our love for them, as the Prophet ﷺ done for Abu Talib. And then we leave the rest with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is Al-Hakim. He is all wise with his decisions. He guides whom he wants. And he leads astray whom he wants. But always remember my dear brothers. No one knocks on the doors of Allah Azza wa Jal sincerely. Except Allah will open for him. All it requires is ikhlas. Anyone that is sincere in wanting the truth. Allah gives it to them. Because he is Rahim and he is merciful. And anyone that does not become a Muslim is only because we can safely say they never sincerely wanted the guidance from Allah. Otherwise, if they did, Allah would give, that to, give it to them. This is what we believe as Muslims. There's another verse Allah Azza wa Jal revealed. Where he said to the Prophet wasallam, said, Verily you, O Muhammad do not guide whom you love, but rather Allah guides whom he pleases or wills. You, O Muhammad, do not guide who you love. The scholars have agreed this verse came down about Abu Talib. Allah reminded him. He reminded the Prophet as much as you loved Abu Talib, and he was your uncle and he helped you. You cannot guide him. You do not guide who you love, but aids whomever he wills. 
Okay, how do we understand this verse when there's another verse where Allah Azza wa Jal says to the Prophet Verily you, O Muhammad guide to a straight path. So there's a verse where Allah says, You, O Muhammad you, O Muhammad guide to a straight path. But then we have a verse where Allah says, You do not guide whom you love. And alhamdulillah, in Islam there is no contradiction. There's no such thing as a contradiction in Islam. The scholars mention that guidance is two types. There's two types of guidance. The first is the guidance of showing the way. Yeah? Hidayatul dalala wal irshad. The guidance of showing the way. That's what Allah means when He tells the Prophet Verily you guide to a straight path. The path of the Prophet is a straight path that guides you to Allah. So yes, he is through his religion, his sunnah, he guides us to Allah. But the second type of guidance is the guidance of success, meaning who accepts and who doesn't. That one is not in the Prophet's hands. So in the Prophet's hands and the believer's hands as well is the guidance of showing the true path. Yes. But the guidance of success, only Allah owns that. Verily you do not guide whom you love. That's referring to the guidance of success. Tawfiq. Who accepts it and who doesn't. So our job is to guide to the direction, to show the path. As for who accepts it and who doesn't, that's not in our hands. That's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And inshallah we will continue in the next lesson. Or we'll take one more hadith because its explanation is short. It's the same hadith of Abu Huraira regarding the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Talib. And in this hadith, Abu Talib said to the Prophet ﷺ, if it was not out of fear of Quraysh blaming me, saying that it was the fear of death that induced me to do, to do so, I would have certainly delighted your eyes. Look at that. This hadith shows an excuse Abu Talib gave the Prophet. Abu Talib said, If it was not out of fear that Quraysh would say, I only done it because I was close to death, I would have given you, Muhammad, what you want. Subhanallah. Excuses. That was an excuse and the excuse of not leaving his father's religion. And this is from, even though it's not a good excuse. What do you mean? Out of fear Quraysh saying, I only done it. What are you going to care about what Quraysh thinks? You're going to die. But it shows Abu Talib knew the deen is haqq. But it was the fear of the people and the fear of leaving the religion of his father that stopped him. But it still shows the good manners of Abu Talib with the Prophet ﷺ, even at the time of death. He didn't tell the Prophet ﷺ, get out of here. He said to him, if it wasn't out of fear, I would have given you what your eyes will delight. And it shows that the only thing that prevented him was fear of his people. Now, And then the Imam moves on to our next chapter, which we will start next week باذن الله تعالى الله اعلم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد
وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم